listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And the ushers are coming forward. They have Bibles in their hands. would love for you to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please put up your hand. They will give you a Bible. Uh, we're big on the Bible here because we believe that the Bible is God's Word and it changes and transforms lives today. That when we take it, we read it, we apply it, we... Uh, are obedient to it, that, that there's transforming power through uh, the Word of God, through the Spirit of God. And so, encourage you to have your Bibles open uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll be reading that in a moment. We just spent 10 weeks, 10 weeks looking at the life of a Christ follower, this I follow Christ, the 5G life. And, and, and there is a passage of scripture that I've been studying this week that I think so wonderfully places a huge exclamation point over this whole 5G life that we've been talking about and preparing us for the road ahead, preparing us as a church as we prepare for Easter and even beyond that. Easter is five Sundays away. It's coming. And we are already trusting, believing, and thanking God for what he's going to do on Easter Sunday and that weekend. Amen? I encourage that you would be, do, would be praying and, and, and trusting along with us in that and, and keeping it in our prayers and, and believing God to do a great work here and around the world as his word is proclaimed that our Christ has risen. As we work through the 5G life and, and, and the five commitments, you know, and, and, and the God time, gather time, group time, give time, and go time, it's easy as we've gone through this to say, oh yeah, okay, yeah, those are good things, and yeah, you know what, I, I'm working at these things a little bit more, I'm giving them a, a little greater effort, and, but it's easy to, to hear these things, to say these things, and then to forget it, and just to kind of move on to what's next kind of thing. You know, what, what's the next thing coming around? And, and, and folks, this is it. This is so vital. This is so important as it defines and gives us kind of a framework on how we are to live our lives as followers of Christ, as of those three important relationships, abiding in Christ, connecting with one another, and then also sharing the good news of the gospel, not hoarding our faith, but sharing it. And, and, and this morning, what I want to talk about is how we can cover our lives, but even cover the 5G life in prayer because it's pray time it is time to pray and it is time to see God do what only he can do we can go on our own power and our own strength but when we are ignited in the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer there is power and the mission of God is running on the rails of the prayers of his people that's how the mission runs that is how our lives are to run on the prayers that we have that we direct towards God and prayer is so important, and, and we're commanded of this over and over again in the Word of God. Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God's Word will reveal to us great things that previously we cannot know. That's what, what, or what happens when we seek God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 talks about praying without ceasing, praying and not giving up. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Matthew 7, chapter 7 and, and verse 7. And it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It's talking about prayer. There's power in prayer. Prayers get answered when we pray. Matthew 21.13, Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer, not a house of entertainment, not 
not a house of preaching, not a house of worship. First and foremost, he says, my house is to be a house of prayer. And folks, we have to understand, the enemy does not want us to pray. He doesn't want to hear what we're talking about here today. He doesn't like it. The enemy doesn't like it when we sing songs. Or when he sees us reading our Bibles. Or hearing sermons. He doesn't like it when we give of our time, of our treasures, of our talents. He doesn't like any of that. But he hates it. He absolutely hates it when he sees followers of Christ dropping to their knees in prayer and getting after prayer. E.M. Bound says that when, the, when God's house on earth is a house of prayer, then God's house in heaven gets busy. Amen? That's where the power is. Prayer is the power source that links us to God. Friday afternoon, worst nightmare happened to me as I was preparing this sermon. As I, uh, and and I, I was feeling good about it. And in, in a good way, in a thankful way, it's like, whoo! You know, maybe this weekend isn't going to be a write-off that I'm, you know, going to be able to just, just it's progressing well. And, and within, like, seriously, 10 seconds, sermon, what I've been working on all week, deleted, gone. Even Cheyenne helped me try to, uh, to, to, to find it, and, and, and we didn't. And so he went to prayer, and he prayed with me and for me, and, and I put the call out to others even, and, 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 and I solidly believe that the enemy, he doesn't want us getting after what we're talking about here today. Prayer is where the power is. James 5 verse 16 says the, and I love the way the King James put, puts it. Old King James puts it really good here. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much because we're going in the power of God. We're not going in our own power, in our own strength, when we are a people of prayer, when we are a church of prayer. And so today we are going to, to, at the start of this, is the start of the message, obviously, part two will take place on Wednesday night. That will be the living out of the word of God that is being proclaimed here. I guess you could say it is furthermore to the application of what we hear today from the word of God. It is one of the ways that we respond. And, and, and one of the things, that's what we do here at Harvest Kelowna, one one. Uh, week out of the month, we, we cancel our, our small groups and, and we encourage everyone who's a part of this church to, to gather together for prayer. And, and this is one of the things, I said it yesterday at Harvest Essentials, you hear it, um, it's, it it's, it's in our presentations that we give to you and, and this is the heart of Harvest Kelowna and Harvest Churches worldwide is that it's, we're not interested in the quantity of disciples, it is the quality that matters. That we're just not going for numbers. It is developing mature disciples that are going out and reaching others and, and developing other disciples and, and, and fulfilling the Great Commission. But I want to tell you, there's, there's, there's one area where I believe quantity does matter. And quantity does make a difference. Because to me, it reveals the quality of the disciples. It reveals the kind of, uh, the quality of the disciples that we are building and, and are growing here. And that's when it comes to prayer. Because that reflects the quality. Wednesday, 645, our church office, worship and prayer. And it reflects our dependency upon God. It, it, it's a way that we unite together as, as God's people. And so that will be taking place on Wednesday. I encourage you to make arrangements to come. Rearrange some things even to come. We're going to equip you even that night to further pray and to trust God and to rend the heavens and to see God do what only he can do. Many of you have never come to a prayer night. You need to come. 
Some of you haven't come for a while. You need to get back to it. And the rest of you who have been coming faithfully, I'd ask you to step it up in your zeal, in your passion, in your desire to, to see God with faith move mountains and break the hearts of stone and see the prisoners set free and the blind receive their sight. That's what we're going to be praying. We're going to be praying for lost people. We're going to pray that God would save them because I can't save them. You can't save them. But God can. We can talk to someone till we're blue in the face and it goes nowhere. Have you ever had that? Have you experienced that before? But God can break through. God can break that heart of stone. He can make the blind see. That is what he does. And it happens when God's people pray. And you say, well, I can pray at home. Yes, you can. And I hope that you do. But there is something powerful and something throughout the history of the church that happens when the church gathers to pray. Let's look here at God's word and see uh, where we're at here this morning. First Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, first of all, then I urge that with supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should, lift, uh, should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Paul is writing this letter here to his dear friend Timothy, his friend, his younger friend and partner in ministry. He saw him as a son. He saw him as, as a valuable friend. Timothy had accompanied Paul for probably 13 to 15 years by this point. But at this point here, when Paul is writing this, he left Timothy in Ephesus to help deal with a very troubled and messed up church. And he was wanting Timothy to give some leadership and correct a lot of the bad things that were going on. There were some in that church that were teaching errors about Jesus, saying that Jesus could not have been man and, and could not have been man and God at the same time. There was a tolerance going on in the areas of sin and corruption, uh, even amongst the, the leadership of the church. There was a lack of holiness and there was pride just running rampant through the church and worldliness. And in chapter 1, as you, you breeze through that, you may even just want to look just to chapter 1 there. We see Paul giving some greetings. He's giving some warnings. He's exposing what is going on within the church. And then he gives a powerful gospel declaration. He says, this is what the gospel is all about. And then he gives a charge to young Timothy near the end of that first chapter. And he says, fight the good fight. Hold to the faith, Timothy. It's going to be tough. And then in chapter 2, he gets to the instructional part. He gets to he, the, the, what Timothy is to do and what he is to, to teach the people, what he is to lay down before the people. And so here we see in the first few verses, we see what does Paul talk about? He says, first of all, 
Basically, first things first. First then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. First things first, what, he's saying, what he is saying here, first things first, it's pray time. It's pray time. Write that down. We have that there on the screen. First things first, it's pray time. Our, and, and, and what is the first thing that we are to be praying about? About the mission. Don't forget the mission of what we are called to do. Yes, we are to pray, and we are to pray about the mission that we've been calling. And, and, and the word here, there, there's, this is a very strong emphasis that Paul is giving. The word, I urge you. And the way that he is addressing and the tone of these eight verses in the original text are written in such a way that he's addressing a serious problem. He's just not giving this, you know, just, I, I just want to urge you to do these things, you know, to, to, um, to, to, to pray prayers and supplications. No, he, he's saying this with some urgency and with some emphasis because he, he's addressing, a problem in a mindset, meaning that these things that he's urging them to do aren't happening. You know, like when you're a parent and, you know, or a grandparent or a teacher or someone and you are giving some instructions when it's a first time instruction, there's kind of some patience and, and sort of a, a more of a teaching, you know, like, um, would you mind cleaning up your room and, and, and doing, uh, you know, uh, taking the dog for a walk and, and, and um, being nice to your sister would you mind doing that, please? You know, like, like that's the initial nice way that you teach something. But, but when that isn't happening, when the room isn't being cleaned up, when the dog isn't going for a walk, and when the sister is not being treated very nicely, there's a little bit more urgency and a little bit more correction in the teaching. And, and, and it's like you need to clean up your room, and you need to take the dog for a walk, and you need to be a lot nicer to your sister, and here's why, and here's what you've ought to, got to do. And, and so... So, so this is the way that Paul is, is addressing Timothy and to the church there in Ephesus. He's saying this is what needs to happen. This is urgent. There's this corrective tone. And so he's writing first things first. You've got to remember the mission. Even before he starts cleaning up the mess and addressing the situations that are going on and giving more instructional teaching, he's reminding them of the mission of what the church is called to do and what we are to be. And we see it is about the mission that they are to pray and they are to see God do a work. Remember the mission? In other words, What's the mission? It's go time. It's what we talked about last week. To reach the lost. To make disciples. Yet how easily and how quickly we f can forget our mission. And we get consumed and we get distracted by other things. And these eight verses that we have here at the start of chapter 2, Paul is giving this, this letter, the, these instructions to him, and he reminds them of the mission. That, and, and the mission is sandwiched between the first two verses and the last verse in, in, in verse 8 on prayer. That this mission is to be a prayer mission. It is to be a mission of prayer. And in that we don't forget the mission to go and to make disciples. First things first, we are to pray. Don't forget the mission. Notice he says, pray for all people. For kings and who are in high positions. Paul is writing this while Nero is the Caesar and is going around butchering Christians. He's praying He's telling them, pray for the king. And what do we end up seeing? His heart is that the king would come to a knowledge of Christ, that the king would get saved. That the king 
would have a transformed heart, as well as all others in authority. Pray for all those people, including those who are making your life miserable, those who you can't stand. Later in verse 7, he even mentions the Gentiles in there. He says, I've been called to take the message to the Gentiles. And, and for Jewish people, like, Gentiles? You're taking, why would you go to those dogs? Why would you go to those disgusting people? Why? Because the mission, the gospel, is for all people. You see, there was this exclusivity within the church there in Ephesus. They figured that salvation was for the Jews. It was, and, and even with that, it was only a certain kind of Jew. A Jew who, who, who conducted themselves in a certain way and, 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 and followed the, the law still and, and had an allegiance to the law. And, and Paul is saying here, pray for all people, kings, rulers, authorities, even the Gentiles, all people. And I wonder at times if we today in North America here within our own church and our own lives could, could be guilty of the same kind of exclusivity. You say, oh, no, 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 Meldon, no, not, not here. Not in my heart. No, no, I believe very much that the gospel is for all people. And, uh, and, and, and we say, yes, yes, it, it is. The gospel, there, there's, there's no one that, that God, God wants to save everyone. I, I believe that, in, in, and I say that. But you know what? We say that with our lips. We believe it in our heads. But how often is that actually demonstrated in our lives? Are we praying for those people who make our life dis difficult to come to know Christ? Are we praying for our leaders and our authorities, or are we just criticizing them? We are to pray that they would come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. People in far-off lands, we are to pray that they would encounter Jesus Christ. As we see later on, who desires no one to perish, that all would be saved. Do we have a passion and zeal for the lost? Just even this past week in our small groups, and if you were attending one of those and you look through the questions, and, and there's the one question there that gave some eye reasons why we oftentimes do not share the gospel. And, 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 and basically the eye reasons are excuses, as, you know, things like insecurity or indifference or ignorance, even thinking, well, I didn't really realize I was supposed to share with others. Indifference or, or inconvenience, you know, and we're busy with our own pursuits where, you know, or maybe we're fearful to talk. And, and, and it's so easy to identify one of those eyes that, that may keep us from sharing the gospel. And then we excuse them. We make excuses for those excuses that we are coming up with rather than repenting and understanding that God wants all people to be saved. And that we are to repent and we are to ask God to, to help us to, to take the message, the gospel out to kings, to authorities. Do you play, pray for those in authority, for those in our city, city council, our police departments? They have a certain amount of authority and how oftentimes do we not appreciate them? Especially when those, the, the, those, those fancy lights are, are, are flashing in our rear view mirror and they're wanting us to pull over. How much do we appreciate them? We're not praying for them. We're praying for ourselves, right? You know, we're, well, I guess we're praying for mercy, you know. And, but how are we praying for their salvation? You know the burden that so many of these officers, those uh, men and women who serve us in that way, the burden that they are under, the things that they see. How about those who serve in our military? Are we praying for them to come to know Christ? Those who serve with, with, with in areas of position of authority, we are to pray for all people. Even that neighbor you can't stand. We are to pray 
That they would come to to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, first things first, pray and don't forget the mission. Next he says, first things first, pray. Uh, We won't get to that quite yet, actually. I'm going to back up. He tells us how we are to pray. He says, with supplications, with prayers, with intercessions, with thanksgiving. You say, well, what does that mean? Basically what he's saying, you're going to pray from all different angles. You're going to approach this, and you know, just not, and I pray for lost people that all of them would be saved. No, he gives us here how we are to pray. With supplications, this is a prayer that arises from a great sense of need. Supplication comes from the verb that means to lack, to be deprived. And we're praying that these lost people who are, who are separated from God, and, and we have a sense that, that, that they, are, they are heading towards a Christless eternity. And so it's on that basis that we come with prayers of supplication. Then there's the word prayers. And you say, well, okay, yeah, obviously we're supposed to pray. And, and so it says prayers. But, but that word prayers is a common term for crying out to God. But it's also understanding the sacredness and the holiness of God. And, and, and so we We are praying to Almighty God, understanding who He is, and we're praying for the souls of people that they would come to know and receive the grace and the glory of God. We're to pray with intercessions. Intercession is is like an advocate. Praying for the interest of others, meaning that we are are, are falling in with a person, kind of falling into line. We, We are helping to carry the weight that they are shouldering. And we are to pray with intercession. We are to pray also though with thanksgiving, with expectancy, with thankfulness in advance for what God is going to do. Praying with faith. Oh God, I thank you in advance that you will answer my prayers. That you will answer this prayer. And it's praying in advance. And Paul is saying we pray for all people. Pray time. It's our mission. Don't forget it. Pray time, second of all, It's our motivation. Pray time, our motivation here, the heart of God is that all people would be saved. Our motivation is the heart of God, all people saved. This is good and it is pleasing. It says in verse 3, in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires, underline that. If it's in your Bible, please underline it. Even if you don't underline it, I encourage you to do so. Underline the word all. It's not an American um, little slang in there, y'all, you know, like just talking about y'all here, you know, that you'd all be saved. It means all out there, that all people would be saved. That's God's heart. This is not a universalistic belief that all men will be saved. Sadly, this view and this teaching, folks, it's running rampant today. It's running rampant even within the church it's being promoted in books and movies and the message that books and movies even give, give people false under, uh, understanding that all paths lead to God, that there won't be judgment, that heaven is for all people, everyone will make it there. That's false teaching and it needs to be dismissed and we need to be warning people of that, that that's not true, that's not how it all ends. It's saying, however, here the heart of God, God's heart is that all people would be saved. The Bible, the Bible tells us Though that not all will be saved. It's God's desire. But he's given everyone a free will. To choose. Or not to choose. The path that God would have for them. And the path is Jesus Christ. With technology today. It's pretty cool. Kind of some of the things you can do. My, my father-in-law. Who is here. Um, 
He's 80 years old and, and, and was quite taken with, with, with just the technology of what those crazy smartphones can do. Uh, my, my father, who's 80 years old, has an iPhone and Siri is like his administrative assistant. And, um, and it's amazing what he does with that cell phone. And, and, and technology today is, is pretty amazing. And, and, and I was even showing him while they were visiting um, just, just how I can track my family at any time. And, uh, and so yesterday I did a little family tracking while I was uh, working uh, at the church office. Uh, I guess it was 1.30 in the afternoon. I kind of thought, okay, where is everyone? And, and uh, kind of saw uh, home base headquarters down on uh, second from the bottom uh, there. And, and then up, up near the top, I thought, okay, that's where Clarice, or I, I, I could see where Clarice was um, that day at, at that time, as well as I was able to identify where Charlotte and Nate were. They were shopping. And you see my laptop at the very top there, kind of a little, little signal, uh, signal there of a laptop. That's the church office area. And so just if we zoom in a little bit, we'll go to the next one. You see there on the left-hand one is Clarice was working at her coffee shop. And Nate was in Winners and Charlotte's cell phone was left in her car. Kind of the story of the life, her life. And, and I actually texted Nate and I said, is mom's cell phone in the car? And uh, he's like, yep. And, and it's just like, isn't it amazing how you can track people? There's been times when Charlotte's been in Costco and I've called her and said oh you're in the freezer department and she's that's just sick how you just can know that I'm like I know you know and and uh, you know and, and so you have this this crazy tracking technology and and you just say that's sick that's crazy and then I know some of you the conspiracy views, and think who else is tracking you and knows everything yeah it's it's true but but I but but you know what you, oh, you want to know some better news you know who's tracking you the God of this universe he's tracking you He's tracking with everyone. I, I googled it this week. 7.4 billion people on the face of this planet. He's tracking with every one of them. The word of God says he even knows how many hairs are numbered on each head. And for some of you, that's, that's a daily deleting battle. And, 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 and for some, it's just like that's a lot of work. Not to him. He's almighty God. And he's tracking with all 7.4 billion. And he desires that all are saved. And he's called us into that work. We are plan A to see 7.4 billion people come to know Christ. And his heart is for every one of them. And his heart needs to become our heart. And that comes as we call out to him in prayer. God desires and is working to bring all 7.4 billion to a knowledge of the truth. Yet everyone is given a free will and has a choice. Either we will accept or reject. But God's heart is that all would be saved. God's desire and passion is to save people and bring them into a right relationship with himself. But in his sovereignty, he's chosen to work through the prayers of his people. He's chosen to work through our lives, and our lips being saturated in prayer. The third thing that we see here is pray time. We see our message. What is our message? Jesus only in verse 5 and even in verse 7. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. What is our message? Who is our message? It's Jesus. Back there, they were, they were already starting to believe that there are many other ways to God. 
Just like there is that going on here today. But here we see he's laying down the tracks. There's one mediator, one way to God, and it's Jesus. It's not through Mary. It's not through some saint. It's not through some religious leader. It is through Jesus Christ. He is the mediator, the one way to God. Jesus, fully God, fully, fully man, which totally fries my brain on that deep mystery, has the ability to touch God and to touch man and to bring us into right relationship with him. What is our message? Who is our message? It's Jesus. And the gospel message that we have Acts 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. For all of us here today, before you encountered Christ, or today, if you don't know Christ, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, we all broke God's law. We were all dead in our trespasses and sin, slaves to sin, slaves to the devil. We were in bondage to that sin. We were in bondage to our past. But God demonstrated his love for us in, in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news of the gospel, that God came to this earth. He took on human flesh. He offered himself on the cross for the sacrifice of our sins, and he died. And his blood paid my ransom. When his blood was applied to my life, I was set free. Free of the charges that were held against me. But Jesus then rose again in victory. And that's why we're going to celebrate in five weeks. We're going to party. We're going to celebrate because that's when we celebrate the victory. And we celebrate that victory. We celebrate Easter every day and live it as a declaration of what he has done. And now by faith, I can receive Christ. Anyone can call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done. No matter who you are. No matter the past. And you will be saved, sins forgiven, brought into right relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. Amen? 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 Amen. Because of the shed blood of Christ, because of the gospel, you and I now have access. We have an invitation to enter the throne room of God in heaven and find help and find strength in our time of need. And we can come to the altar. We can come to the throne with confidence, we are told, in the word of God. And to ask him to move and to work and to do only the things that God can do. And so, first things first, pray time. We have our mission, our motivation, our message. And then finally, our mindset. Um, actually, you can cross out the word mindset. I only put mindset there for the OCD people who need to have an M for every point. And, and so that's there just to make you feel good. But, but the word mindset just doesn't describe it. I tried to find an M word for you. Um, it's our heart. It comes back to the heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Look at in verse 8. I desire then that in every place... The men should lift, should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Now, this is a reference to all people, but it is also specifically here a reference to men to lead the way. We are to lead the way in prayer. Where you find men praying, you will find families praying, you will find wives praying, you will find women praying. 
lifting holy hands. This isn't just simply a posture of just like, oh, okay, so I'm supposed to pray and now I'm supposed to raise my hands. Okay, so, so do I hold it like this or like this or like this or, you know, what, it, posture doesn't matter. This is more of an understanding that of raising hands. What is the universal sign of surrender? Raising of hands. I surrender. And it's also the understanding, the posture of a heart that is repenting and seeking after God and surrendering to his plan and to his purpose. Not my will, but yours be done, God. I surrender. A life that is pursuing holiness and godliness. Seeing here, like, I mean, back there, they were ripping off others within the church and, 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 and there was anger and, and disunity. And, and he's like, not quarreling, not filled with anger, lifting holy hands, holy hands, clean hands and a pure heart. This is the position and the posture for prayer that, 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 that we, we approach him, repenting of our sins and being right before him. There's a great promise in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. I encourage you to write down this reference because there is a promise accompanied with the word of God, accompanied when we pray in this way. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, write it down. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, uh, whatever we ask, we know that he, uh, that we will have what he, that we have asked of him. That when we pray, with holy hands lifted up to God, and we are praying according to his will, he will answer. He will give to us what we are asking him for. You see, when we get our hearts in line in this way with the word of God and what God's word is for our hearts, watch out. Watch out what God will do. As I mentioned earlier that Wednesday night, we're going to be praying together. That's part two of the sermon. But we're going to pray scriptures. We're going to pray the word of God. There's going to be 10 scriptures that we're going to work through that we're going to pray. And, and, and why is it a good idea to pray scriptures? Because it keeps us focused, but it's also a way that we pray the will of God. And what we're going to do is take with focus, we're going to pray the word, the will of God, and we're going to amp it up in our intensity with urgency, with supplications, with intercessions. You say, well, I don't know what to pray. Just come. You pray in your heart. There's not going to embarrass anyone, not going to make anyone go to a mic or do, do anything like that. But let's pack the place and seek God with hungry hearts, with faith-filled hearts of what he's going to do as we pray the word of God. Folks, I want to call you, each one of us. Don't write me off. Don't write me off in this. This is so important. You miss it. You miss, you miss the point of, of, of what God's word is calling us to do here. And you're going to go out in your own power and your strength. This is where the power comes. As we seek God with clean hands and a pure heart. And we come with this urgency and this dependency upon the Lord. And we pray the word of God and the will of God in this way. And I want to call us, each one of us, myself included, I've been asking some of our leaders and I've, I've been saying and just in my own heart, in my own life, saying we've got to put more skin in the game. We've got to expand areas of leadership and serving here within the church. We're needing more people to come along and, 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 and roll up their sleeves and serve the Lord. You know where that starts? You know where more skin in the game starts? More skin on the knees. Getting before God and calling out to him. 
rather than belly aching about this or that or another thing. We're taking it to God. And that's where the answers come. That's where the power is. And praying the word of God and the will of God. Ten scriptures we're going to give you. Maybe there'll be more than that, but at least ten scriptures. And you're going to take that home and, and, get, and oh, and the other thing, come with the name of one or two people. Say, I have ten people. No, it's going to be one or two people. And as we get after it in prayer and we pray the word and the will of God into these lives and into these situations, oh, I believe we're going to hear some stories of how God is setting to work in those lives. And those stories, they may take days, weeks. We're going to pray that the blind would be able to see, the hard heart would be softened. Prisoners would be set free from the bondage of the addiction of, uh, of what they're chasing, what they're going after. But come with one or two names of people that we're going to set to pray for. That list will grow in time. But you pray. You, and, and, and ask the Lord, two people that God is, and, and, and local is best because you're able to have interaction with them. I know some of you have relatives and friends and people who you're concerned far off. Let, 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 let's get local here where you can go and, and, and start to hear and see how God is breaking them, how God is working in their life. We're going to pray very specifically and strategically in their lives. I'm excited already. I was uh, looking at some of that this morning. I'm like, let's get at it. It's, you know, and, and believe and trust God. But folks, I want to call us to the kind of praying that we need in order to see situations change. I'm overwhelmed just, just, just even this past week and just hearing and, and walking with some and just some of the struggles and the situations and the things that are going on in homes, area, things here in, in our city, in this region, in our nation, around the world. And folks, we've lost the desperation in the church of Jesus Christ when it comes to this. We've settled for lesser things. We've become distracted by the box. You know, like a kid, we laugh at a kid. You know, they get this expensive toy and, and they shove the toy and they just want to play with the box and they don't want to go into this precious gift that was given to them. We've been given a precious gift and we're playing with other things. Things. We're distracted by, by things that are, are, are in the end worthless and will be chucked out. And, and we have something so much more valuable and so much more life-changing. And maybe you're here and you think, well, why should I pray? It really doesn't make a difference. I've been hearing this lately too from people, um, thankfully not within the walls of this church, but, but at times maybe you've wondered this, you know, why should I pray? God's sovereign, isn't he just going to let things happen? The only kind of problem with this kind of thinking is the word of God. The Word of God gives us example after example and an and, and, and urgent call and command to be people of prayer because God has chosen to work through the prayers of his people. Jesus said we always ought to pray and never give up. James chapter 5, verse 16, love it again, King James Version, the best one on this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We are told to pray without ceasing. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. If we pray, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will hear their land, heal their land. If then, if we pray, then God gets busy. God goes to work. And so we pray and we're going to pray for one another. And we're not going to quit. Pray without ceasing. James chapter 4, he says, You have not because you ask not. And first things first, we're going to pray. We're going to pray about the mission that we won't forget it. That lost people matter to God. That all people saved. We're going to pray about the message that people would find Jesus and only Jesus. And we're going to pray that we have clean hands and a pure heart so our prayers are not hindered. 
We quit too soon when it comes to prayer. We say it and we forget it and move on. Saying, oh, well, I guess God's not prayed about it. No, we keep praying. R.A. Torrey, he was an old evangelist who, who, who served the Lord in the, late, in the early 1900s. He prayed for 60 years every day for two friends of his. Two dear friends that they would come to know Christ. Both men in their 90s came to Christ. 60 years of praying. You say, but I don't know what to pray. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. You, you can grow in that area. But listen to this. God does not give conversions to the eloquent, but to the heart. It's about the heart calling out to God. And dear people, I want to challenge us to go back. To go back to what is truly important. We need to see lives changed. Families, marriages resurrected. We need to see God do a work. Vance Havner He said this, the tragedy of the hour is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. Education, legislation, politicians won't change hearts. Preaching and music and Bibles, slick services and and light shows and new technology won't bring the change to the human heart. But prayer, prayer, seeking God and having him come down and rend the heavens and do what only he can do. The only hope for families The only hope for addictions, the only hope for the struggles that we're facing as a nation in our world comes through people who are seeking God in prayer. It's the transformation of the gospel of people's lives. We need God to show up to manifest his presence. Everything changes when God shows up. In Isaiah chapter 64, it says, O God, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains may earth, that you may quake, that the mountains may quake at your presence. Oh, that he would shake us. Oh, that that would happen in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our churches, in this church. And it happens when we get desperate in prayer, desperate over our own sin and our selfishness and our laziness, confessing that to God and calling out to him to do what he can do. Charles Spurgeon, he wrote this. He said, there's no hope while the church, God's people are sluggish and lethargic. It is through the church the blessing is bestowed. And that's why we pray. That's why we pray Wednesday night. That's why we pray at 845. That's why we pray in our small groups. And I pray the intensity level of your small groups and, 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 and just in the way we describe the supplications with intercessions, with, with, with uh, thanksgiving to God in the way that we've seen here in this passage. The early church, they saw situations hopeless. Acts chapter 12, write that down. We encourage you to read that if you need a little fire for what God can do. And the church prays. And it says all people, the entire church gathered. It says all the church came together and they prayed. Great story what took place there. And what did God do? As they all gathered together, God showed up. Chains were broken. Prisoners set free. Today, that can happen. And this week... This has been a verse that has just been, I've been loving it and so convicted by it. Isaiah 66, verse 8. And with this I close. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. I've been privileged to be front and center, almost literally, um, during the birth of our two children. And what a miracle. An absolute miracle. I mean, I was hyped up. 
sucking back some of that gas to calm me down and deal with my pain during that time. There's you know, a lot of sympathy there for my dear wife. And, and when the doctor handed me, well, I basically delivered the children, but you know, as, as the doctor handed me that baby, um, the tears coming down my face, I'm just blown away of the miracle of birth. A miracle how, how this can happen. How this large package can be in such a small tummy. And, and now I'm a daddy. And, and the excitement and the overwhelm. And, and yet those children came into this world with a lot of pain. With a lot of... And even the doctor telling Charlotte to, to calm down and to put her effort into pushing. She's like, well, you try this, you know, kind of thing. And, 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 and uh, you know, put your effort in there. And, and, and this, through much pain, through much labor, through this, through this, ah, life comes. And folks... The same is true. Zion is the people of God. When the people of God are in labor and calling out to God, she doesn't bring forth one child. Look what it says. Children. Many children. This is what he brings forth. New birth. New life. Lost people saved. And when you... There's no greater joy than seeing someone come to faith in Jesus Christ. To know that for eternity they will be in heaven. They've escaped the fires of hell. And you see the new life as they understand the gospel and how it can transform their whole life here on earth and give them eternity in heaven. There's no greater joy. In fact, actually, John the, uh, John the Apostle said that in Third John. He says, no greater joy than to know your children are walking in the truth. Amen? Folks, our one business is soul winning. Our banner is the cross and our leader is the crucified king. Let's pray. Oh God, teach us to pray. Oh God, I pray that there would be a passion in this room that Zion would labor, would travail. There would be a rising up within us to seek you about the mission that we've been called into. And maybe we think we're overwhelmed and we think, how can I do it? Oh God, would we come to you with repenting and unbelieving hearts and ask you to fill us with faith, with boldness. Would we repent of areas of sin, of the distraction, of all the excuses that we come up with and get busy about the most important mission that we have been called to. May we become bold in our witness we wouldn't be ashamed to say, I follow Christ in our hashtags and in our Twitters and all of the different things and social media that we may be a part of. Oh, may we not look for battles and fight, but may we show the love of Christ by what we say, by what we post, what we like, what we, how we talk with people as we meet them and greet them and as we go about our daily work. Oh God, as we are going, would we be making disciples? God, teach us to pray, to pray with passion. But as we seek you, God, would it be with clean hands and pure hearts surrendered to you? God, we confess that continually we dip our hands into sin. We handle things that we should not be handling. 
oh God, those things put distance between you and us and it make our, makes our prayers so that they're just hitting the ceiling. Oh God, we bow our hearts and we bend our knees. Oh Spirit of God, make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Lord, help us to cast down our idols.